0: I've got a very interesting Bible study this morning for you, and this is the beginning of a mini-series or two here that I'm going to be talking about, and I'm going to be speaking to you here in the next few weeks on the subject of the coming of Christ, the coming of Christ, and that first one here is the coming of Christ the first time. I want to talk to you about Jesus's coming to this earth and what all that was all about and so forth I want to start with uh, the Lord revealing himself to Moses whenever Moses was in the was in the wilderness and he spoke to him from the burning bush And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3 and verse uh, 13 313 of Exodus and uh I want to show you here what the Lord had to say to Moses whenever he talked to him and said, that I want you to go into Egypt and deliver my people, tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and so forth. And uh, verse 13 says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, that God of your fathers has sent me unto you, And they shall say to me what is his name now notice this what is his name what shall I say unto them and God said unto Moses I am that I am and he said thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel I am hath sent me unto you now notice here God's name is presented here by God to Moses as I am. Verse fifteen, and God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, identifying himself to be their God, and no there's nobody different than that, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all, all generations. So the Lord gave unto him the name "I am" that He might uh, go unto him now, the name "I am" is a very uh, strange name. I want to give you some information here about it and uh the I've got a little a little emblem here that comes from Israel and uh i'll let me explain that a little bit later. Let me show you this one first uh to talk to you about the I am that he appeared to Moses in I think I'm I think this is focus now we'll get the right focus here let's see if we get the focus on here okay there we go okay I need a little help brother and I don't know what I'm doing here this thing don't work Auto focus. What's wrong with it? There we go. That's it. You got it. Thank you. The master. <laughs> okay. And so this is what he said. He says, uh, I am. Now, notice here I got Jehovah and Yahweh because these two names of God came out of that, that first one, I am. In Exodus 3, 1 through 3, it means self-existent. This is I am. And it, this name is not, was never known before uh, unto the children of Israel. Because God said, I've never let this name be known unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you notice that, we have a reference to chapter 6. And this is where the Lord is still, still speaking to Moses in the wilderness. Chapter 6 in verse 3, he says, I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. As that is pronounced in the Hebrew El Shaddai uh, but by my name Jehovah or by my name I am I'll explain why Jehovah is in there uh, was I not known to them in other words, he was not known by this I am name so uh, he said he was only ever only known by El Shaddai which means God Almighty but not God, a self-existent God, which means I am. And I'll explain this, giving on down. Uh, when it says I am, it means I am now and I am forever. I was, I am, and I shall be. I am at all times. Never was there a time I was not. Never was there a time. Let me put it in God's, in God's way. Never was there a time God was not. Never shall there be a time that he shall not be. Uh, he is all places. There's no place he is not. There's no place that he has never been. He is er- he's everywhere all the time, at all places all the time. He's all power. He's all power. There's no power that's in the universe that's without God. And so he is supreme. He is everything. So the I am is almost like to us a phrase that never was finished. And it doesn't have to be because whatever you put there describes God. He is. He's, he's, he's that. So, he is, he was, and he shall be, and he is to come, and so forth. Given to Moses in the first person, now look at this very closely. Uh, if pronounced in the third person, it would change the name. would change the name. So, Moses wrote it only in first person. And here's what Moses, let me give you an example, and this is sort of an example of how it would be in English. If Moses went to them and they said, what's his name? And Moses said, and he started to say I am he would be saying I am you see what I'm saying I am and then he said uh, then he hesitated and said he is no he said I can't say he is because he is is not I am do you understand what I'm saying he is is third person I am first person but in the Hebrew language, it was a little bit more complicated. You could not even pronounce it in the third person. You couldn't even say it because the the letters, J-H-V-H, were unpronounceable because they had no vowels in between the consonants, Those, the letters that were consonants. And so they had, the, they, they had no vowels there, so they could not be pronounced. And so it was J-H-V-H, given to Moses in the first person, uh it pronounced in third person it would change the name so moses wrote it only in the first person i am in hebrew are four hebrew letters called the tetragrammation or the tetragram means four letters simply what it means tetragram now and it's jhvh or yhwh depending on what language it comes to us through whether it comes through hebrew through the greek through the latin and then into English or something of this nature. Uh, this is the way it was that if it came through Hebrew, uh, say through uh, the Greek only, it would be YHWH. And then if it went through a certain language, like the German language and so forth, it may be JHWH and YHVH. The German language uses the V in the place of the W and the F in the place of the V. I think something like that, like Volkswagen, Volkswagen is a German word. It means people's car. And the word people is folks. F. We call it F-O-L-K-S, folks, you know, down home folks. Uh, but they pronounce that F with a V, Volks. It's a Volks car, Volkswagen, people's car. I won't go any further into that, only to say that this is how the, these, this tetragrammation is changing. But notice none of them are pronounceable. None of them are pronounceable because uh, in this Hebrew language here, it was just those four letters could, could be used. Now, this is a, uh, an emblem here. This came from Israel itself, and I was been, I've been in Israel three times, and I've got it over there. And uh, these are those four letters. If you got your Bible, and we'll turn with me for a moment to uh, uh, Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Just take a moment here. I know I'm in deep water right now. Just stay with me. But in Psalms 119, this psalm is the longest chapter in the Bible and the longest psalm, of course, in the Bible. And uh, altogether, it has 176 verses. And it's broken up into 22 stanzas, as they are called, stanzas, 22 of them. And they all represent the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And each stanza has eight verses. In the, in the Bible, if you want to check it out in your Bible you're welcome to see if you have it there and if you'll notice that there is 8 verses there's a stand, There's a letter at the top and then there is there's verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, seven, 8 and then there is a second letter and so forth, and you'll find that all through the 119. and this is a psalm about these 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet I only referred to it because it has it in here, now the uh, the Hebrew language is backwards from us it goes from right to left like this and there's four letters here this is the first letter representing the j as we know it this is the second letter uh right in here representing the h this is the third one here uh representing the v and then this is the h it's again pronounced there and so these are those four letters here and it's very sacred to the jewish people they have them on their houses they have on they have them sometime wrapped in their on their hands Uh, It's very sacred to them. And they say, this is the name of God. And to them, it does not need to be pronounced. It's not intended to be pronounced. It's just the name of God. And that's the way it is. I show you this all in the Hebrew language. Now, in uh, verse 73 is that first letter. And if you've got your Bible there, you'll look in verse 73. uh, You'll see there that this is the first letter of the of the name of God and uh, and it says it's called Jod uh, in the Old Testament in the New Testament it's called Jot it's the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet the most insignificant letter and in fact we use the letter J in Hebrew they don't even use in pronunciation they don't even use J you Y. That's why if you look at some of the old names of Jerusalem, it doesn't say Jerusalem, it says Jerusalem. There's a Y there, Jerusalem. Many names are spelt with a Y rather than a J because the J is not significant with the Hebrew. And the Y, the J is more English than anything else. I'm just telling you these little quirky things that have come in the translations of these things. But the word Jod is what this 73rd verse says here. And of course, it's the 10th letter. In the in the Hebrew alphabet, in the New Testament, it's jot. Now remember that verse of Scripture, and I won't quote it here, where Jesus said that not one jot or tittle will pass from the Word of God until all be fulfilled. One jot or tittle. How many are familiar with that phrase? Okay, I see several hands. Now, one jot or tittle. J-O-T it says. This is a jot. It's the same letter. The same thing. Not one part of the Hebrew alphabet, the Hebrew language, Hebrew word of God will ever pass without it all being fulfilled what Jesus was saying. So this is the jot or the jot. And that was the first letter. And you read it from right to left. Uh, when I was in Israel... The first time I remember seeing uh, the English language and then the Hebrew language. I'm I'm going from left to right, left to right. I said, well, isn't that nicer? Then they put the Hebrew, the English language first for us, you know, and they put the Hebrew language last. And they want to be nice to us, you know, English people coming over there. Right. And they said, not so. They said, you are last, we are first. We read from right to left. You read from left to right. So to us, when we look at it, we see the Hebrew language first, then you guys are last, you know. And so they, I said, okay, I got it. I got the picture. So anyhow, you read it from right to left here. Now the second letter here is uh, is the one that's found in verse 33, and uh, just prior to 33, and it's called it's spelled he here but it's pronounced hey and it is the most powerful letter in the hebrew language it's most powerful it is the most significant letter just as the j is the most insignificant this or the y this is the most significant letter it has the most emphasis on it and it means breath or it means life and it is it is pronounced with a right like an H but only they don't do it with a they do it with a did I get you in the eye? I didn't get you an eye <laughs> but they do it with a, with a hard H like that and uh, so I'm the only saying that just, they, two of them are scratching their eyes I, I was only kidding you uh, guys I only say that because they pronounce that emphatically And so that's an H. So that name of God here, that H means life, and it has a very significant. And the third letter there, of course, is Vah, which is the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and it's at verse 41 there, and uh, it's just pronounced simply Vah, and that's the one that's in the middle, and then the H sounding sand again. So these four letters represents the name of God, J-H-V-H. Now, let me move on a little further in this. I'm sort of giving you some background on this. Uh, If you look at this one, J.H.V.H., and we're putting in letters there to denote uh, that what the name of it is in the 13th century. The English put vowels in between to give it a pronounceable name. J-H-V-H, they call it J-E-H-O-V. They put the A, the O, and the A. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So it could be pronounceable. So they come up with a name Jehovah. So the Jehovah then is found some places in the Bible uh, representing those four letters. But the four letters originally were never, those three vowels were never originally in the four letters. But they put them there to make it pronounceable, saying that's the only way we can pronounce it, that's the only way we can say it, so they put the letters in there. Uh, likewise, the Y-H-W-H, uh, Y-H-V-H, uh, they put two letters in there. They put the A and the E, Y-A-H-W-E-H, or sometimes an A there, but it's pronounced Yahweh, Yahweh. And so there's two vowels put in there and so whichever language they come in Yahweh and Jehovah is all the very same thing now one thing I want to say here uh, Jehovah's witnesses I don't know how many of you know it but they're not Jesus' witnesses you know that I'm not gonna I'm not picking on the Jehovah witnesses here I just I've debated them about twice in my lifetime And I know how they think. And I know what they, they, you know, they believe that Jesus is Michael the archangel. They don't believe he's the son of God. They don't believe he is God. They don't believe he's the son of God. They believe he's Michael the archangel. And of course, you can grab them a little bit by saying that they believe Jesus is the brother of of the devil. Because Jesus, because the devil originally was an angel. So was Michael the archangel. He is an angel. You know what I mean. So, but I'm just saying all of that to say here that. This is another thing you can say about him is that the name Jehovah really was not God's name. It is not God's name. It's a man-manufactured type name. So it's God's name as man has made it. So they say we're Jehovah's Witnesses, Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witness. Wait a minute. It's not Jehovah at all. So anyhow, I just throw after out for whatever it's worth. If you get in a debate, you can discuss that with them. Put them on the defense a little bit. Gives them something to discuss and talk about. But that name denotes God who can and will deliver and sustain his people and will exercise that power at his discretion. In other words, God will do whatever he wants to do when he wants to do it. Now, look at uh, the scriptures that we have there. The rod, Exodus chapter 4. We had you there in Psalms 19. Go back to Exodus 4 where the Lord appeared unto him originally there. and said, My name is I Am. Now, Moses had said at the burning bush, he said to God, God, what if they don't hear me? Now, listen to me very closely on this. Chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? and he said a rod now a rod is what shepherds carry they carry a staff which was a long hook and they'd reach over and pull sheep back into the fold with it and use it in that fashion they also carried a rod which was a little a stick about this long everybody see that down in there where they tied their cloak around them, down in their side here they carried that stick so they could whack things they'd whack things with that you know and uh, I've been in Africa where the people be out and I even have one. I have a whacker. Like It's not a rod, but it's one of those African whackers. And it's, it's quite a whacker. Uh, and you know, they use that for those, those animals and so forth. Bad ones. I mean, some of us come and whack them on the head and, and just really whacked them. It was called a rod. This is what it was referring to here. So he said, what's that in that hand? I'm going to read this verse of scripture, verse 2. The Lord said unto him, what is that in that hand? He said, Rod, verse 3. And the Lord said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, very gingerly, (laughs) you know, and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand again. The Lord changed it to a serpent, changed it back into a rod again. And Moses went, ah, oh, I'm proud of that. Now, look at verse 6. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put forth his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow, it was white. And it had leprosy. Oh, my God, he had leprosy. All of a sudden now he's got leprosy. And he said, the Lord said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. So he puts it back in his hand. And he puts his hand in his hand again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. The leprosy was all gone. Two miracles. Now. I want to just say this, that before this incident, right here in chapter 4, the Lord never performed any miracles in the Bible, except Isaac, when he was born, he was born of parents that were beyond age. Abraham and Sarah were beyond age, and the Bible even brings that out uh, over in that 18th chapter of Genesis. Now, what I'm doing and I'm pointing out to you here is that the reason that when God changed his name, he also said, I'm going to affect things, I will make things happen. In other words, what God was doing, he was showing his power and his greatness and his glory being extended. In one place, is said, I'm God Almighty, the God of the heavens, the God of the stars, the God of the earth, God of all the animals, God of all people, I'm God of all things. Under abraham isaac and jacob but when he appeared unto moses he said now moses don't worry about whether you're going to be delivered or not because i'm all power i can i can change everything i can make things happen and of course whenever he went before pharaoh that's when exactly what he did he threw his rod down and you know they threw rods down and they turned into serpents they had tricks and then his rod ate them all up and so forth. I won't go into detail on that. But I am just pointing out to you here, this was the beginning of miracles. After that time, God performs miracles. Now, before I go any further, have you heard the report coming out of Honduras down there? Yes. Raise your hand if you've heard that report yet. There's several of you that have. I'm hoping that they will talk about it here this morning. They are having awesome revival down there where Pastor is. They're having awesome revival there in, in, in Guatemala. And it's not Guatemala City some of you have been to Guatemala City and uh, worked on that orphanage and things there but this is uh, Guatemala in a different place but they've had some they've had some awesome they've had I mean they've had hundreds of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues they've had people blinded eyes open they've had lame people walking I mean you name it you can hardly uh, name a miracle that has not happened among those people And they're having a tremendous and great revival. You know why? Because there's nothing God can't do. And I want to throw this in for what it's worth today, folks, that God can do anything in our lives. Praise the Lord. And it's the devil's business to try to get us not to believe God, but keep believing in the Lord. Keep trusting in God. And keep uh, saying God can do anything I know he can. Jesus is my friend and my savior. Praise the Lord. And it all started way back here. This is why all through the Old Testament, from this point on, there were all kinds of miracles that happened all the time. It happened every time. I wanna go into detail on that, but you well know that. But I am pointing out here that the rod and the leprous hand here showed that this was the beginning of miracles in the Bible. Each time God revealed a new name of himself, he revealed new characteristics of his greatness. And so I wanted to point out that out to you here about the name I am. Now, let me mention something else to you here. When the Jews understood that his name could not be pronounced... They wanted somehow or another a way to refer to God without offending God or without changing the name. And so they substituted the word for uh, the word for Jehovah or Yahweh uh, with these words. Look at number one, Lord in Hebrew is Adonai, or sometimes pronounced Adonai, but Adonai is the way I'll pronounce it here. The Lord in Hebrew... In the Hebrew language is that 's the word lord is Adonai and simply means master or owner that is to rule you in other words, like a, a landlord, a landlord a guy that owns your home, or apartment houses or whatever it is he 's the landlord, and so he would be called the lord and all through writings of, of the, the English language, the word lord is that. And so they use the word Lord, verse, two, verse number two here, number two, when used in this way in the Bible, it is spelled with all small letters, Lord. And uh, I want you to turn with me over to the book of uh, Genesis for a moment. Let me show you something. I'll show you where this is in practice. And this is a way <coughs> that you can understand some words of Lord in the Bible. This is in all your Bibles. It's this way. If it's all small letters, it refers to the landlord or a Lord or a man, just another man. If it's the word Lord with a capital L and it is all small letters, it refers to God by someone would address him or refers to him and is taken from the literal word Adonai. But if it's all capital L-O-R-D is taken from the word I am. Now, I want to show you this. Look in, in, in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 1. I'm going to give you some illustrations here. And the Lord, if you have your Bible, you can see that. Do we have Do we have the, yeah, you have it over here. See the capital letters, L-O-R-D. All right, thank you. And the Lord appeared unto them in the plains of Mamre, and he said to door and so forth. This word here, Lord, means God appeared unto Abraham, Isaac, and and, uh, not uh, Isaac, but unto Abraham and Sarah. Look at verse 3. And he said, this is Abraham talking to God now, and he said, my Lord. Notice here, capital L, but no R and D, because he is saying, my Adonai. He's using the actual word Lord here, but it's referring to God. So they use the capital letter first. Is this getting confusing? Are you still with me? Okay. Now, to give you the other illustration, look in verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed within her. That's whenever he said she was going to have a child. And he said, how can I have a child when I'm very old? And she laughed by, you know, sort of in secret. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure that means having a child, a son. Shall I have pleasure? My Lord also, my Lord being old also. Her Lord here is in reference to Abraham. And there's a scripture over in the New Testament that talks about her calling him Lord. Uh, in First Peter 3, 6, I think it says that Abraham, Sarah called Abraham Lord, referring to him as her, her, uh, her, her husband, her master, whatever and said, I have pleasure in my Lord being old also. Notice here the word is L-O-R-D, small letters. Everybody get the point here. So in your Bible, when you read your Bible, whenever you say capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the word I am translated into that word Lord. And so when you see it, you say, I never see the word I am anywhere in the Bible like to that. That's because the word Lord represents that. So that may be helping you to understand that the word Lord was used throughout the, the uh, Old Testament in that fashion, in that form. So we'll finish here in reading. When used in this way, the Bible is spelt with all small letters, Lord. However, early on, the Jews, in respect to God, submitted the name of God, Yahweh, uh, Yah- Jehovah, rather, with the word Lord, capitalizing all the letters. I'm using all of the word Jehovah here or Yahweh, Java, uh, in order to uh, make it simple. let see ex, uh, examples in the Bible and so forth, and that's what I've just pointed out to you here. Now, what I'm trying to do here is show you here how that the name uh, I Am was all through the Bible. Now, this is an interesting one itself. I'm going to show you where that the name Jehovah or the name I Am was to become also the New Testament word for it. The name Jesus means, Jehovah hath become salvation. This is what the name Jesus means. I don't know whether you know that or not. It means Jehovah, it means Jehovah or Yahweh or I am hath become salvation. It is a, it is an extension of God in his work in humanity and among humanity. Uh, if you look in Psalms a minute with me, Psalms. And I'm reading here in Psalms 118. Look in Psalms 118. I'll give you an example here of this. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Psalms 118.14. 14. The Lord is my strength. Now, notice the word Lord, L O R D. That's the I am. The I am is my strength and song and is become my salvation. Now, when you say the Lord is become salvation, the word would be Jesus. Jesus, or Yeshua, as it is in Hebrew. Uh, if you look down in verse 21, It repeats that, I will praise thee for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. This is a specific, uh, shall I say, work or time in which Almighty God, who could do anything, had made a decision to save the human race. And he would come in the form of Jesus Christ. So that when Jesus would come, he would be, I am who had come to save humanity, or save whoever would be saved. So this was the uh, scripture that we use here. So we've used here at Psalms. Look in Isaiah twelve as well, twelve two. This is also spelled out in the same fashion. And uh Isaiah twelve two. Behold, God is my salvation. uh, I will not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah. Notice all capital letters. Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. And so these are, look at verse 4. And in that day shall ye say praise the Lord. Call upon his name. And declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Verse 6. Cry out and shout, Thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. So this means that Jehovah, or I Am, is going to come, and He'll come in the name of I Am has become salvation. In other words, when Jesus came, folks, He came to save. He came to save. Jesus said in one place, I've come to seek and save those that are lost. And so I'm saying that for all of us here today to understand, This is what this is is all about today. This is what this New Testament is. It's the Lord seeking to save those that would be saved, those that will be saved, those that want to be saved, those that will come unto him. And that's why you and I have a responsibility to tell everybody we can that Jesus will save them. That's That's our responsibility because God saved us. Somebody told me, so I tell others. Somebody told you, so you tell others. That's why we never just stop and say that's not a responsibility of ours because the whole purpose of God in this New Testament period of time, his coming the first time was to come as a savior to us, as a savior. Now, understand something else here. Sometimes we talk about the book of Revelation is full of judgment. The book of Revelation is filled with judgment. That's yet to come. That's not here Today. In other words, what's going to happen in the book of Revelation is when God says, okay, the time of salvation is up. The time of the Gentiles is over with. Now is going to be a time of judgment. He was that way with Israel. He tried to save Israel. He tried to use them. He worked with them, so forth. But in their sins, finally, he said, it's up. It's up. Time is up. That's when the temple was destroyed in 7 AD. And they were scattered throughout all the world. And that, was, and that has been their judgment for 2,000 years. And God has been dealing with the Gentiles, and He deals with the Gentiles <clears throat> because He wants mankind to be saved. And it's still going on. It was like it was from the, day, from the very first day. God is still one. He told them, He said, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe. That's why these people in these foreign countries and, and people from here, like our pastor and, and others, uh, go out and they preach in these places. There's great or mighty works done for God because God is behind His Word. His Word said, Go into all the world, and lo, I'm with you always. And, and these signs shall follow. These signs shall follow. It's, it's, it's promised in the book, and it's going to happen. <clears throat> Praise God. Can I just say something else? If any one of us will put forth the effort to be a soul winner, you'd be amazed at how the miracles that God will perform. Amen. I know we just want to see, you know, people slain in the spirit. and We want to see, you know, blind eyes opening in the lane, walking and so forth. And we want to see that. But along the way in our work to win people out there to the Lord, we will see things happen. You will see things happen. Praise the Lord. And uh, I just want to let you know here today that God has not changed, amen, from his coming. Now, I want to show you something here. I want to show you why the Jews missed out on that. Uh, if you go to Matthew with me, Matthew chapter 1 and verse, read verse 21, this is where the angel appeared unto Joseph. We found out that his espoused wife, they had not yet come together as the scripture uses that term, and his espouse wife, Mary, was found with child. And Joseph was was a good man, and he said, Well, she's in family way, and I know it's not me, so I'm gonna just sort of silently and very quietly and very without any disgrace, I'm just gonna have to put aside our plans to get married. That's what Joseph was planning on doing. And while he planned all of that, the angel appeared unto him. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on to verse, say, in verse 21. Look at this one very closely. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. That means Je- that means Jehovah, or that means uh, I am or Yahweh whatever name however you want to use it in there that means I am hath become salvation look at look at what it says here Thou shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins he shall save his people from their sins Jesus said in one place I've come only to the, the lost household of Israel Israel didn't think they were lost And the reason that they rejected Jesus is because they wanted their Messiah to come differently than the way Jesus came. They wanted their Messiah to come and strap on a sword and said, follow me and we're gonna overthrow the Romans and we are going to deliver Israel from the hand of the Romans and the captivity of the Roman Empire over Israel. That's what they wanted. That's what they looked for. But when Jesus came, it wasn't to be that way. He was to save them from their sins. But they didn't think they had any sins. We are of Abraham. And whenever he would talk about this, oh, we are of Abraham, we are fine. There's nothing wrong with us. And we want a Messiah that's gonna deliver. That's why they rejected Jesus with all the miracles that he did and with all the power that he displayed and so forth. They rejected Jesus because they wanted a Messiah who was going to overthrow the Roman Empire for them. And some of these Jewish leaders were so bent on that, uh, the Pharisees were, it's a group of them, the Sadducees, uh, the Sadducees was more of a liberal crowd. They were more in harmony with the Romans and because the Romans would give different ones positions and places in government, and they sort of liked that where the, ph- the Pharisees stood their ground. No, no, we don't want anything from the Romans. And so Jesus had to constantly deal with this to let them know that he said, in one place, my kingdom is not of this world, but my kingdom is within you. They said, show us the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is within you. Uh, it's going to be inside. It's not one that's going to be outwardly. And so they, they had a, a hard time understanding Jesus' coming, First of all, they never read the scriptures in the Bible understood that he was coming to save them from their sins. And the second point is that they rejected him because it was not according to their wishes for their Messiah. Now, let me say this to all of us here today. Don't try to put God in a box. What do you want God to be in your life? Let God be God. Let him do what he will for us. Praise the Lord. Some people, they, they they get saved, but they want God to do a certain thing. Will God, you know, make me prosperous? These TV shows are all about, you know, and I respect anything that's presenting Jesus Christ. I really do. I respect it because we're living in a day and age where anything that presents Jesus Christ, thank God for that. Amen. But some of these things are all about how God's going to prosper you. God's going to bless you. God's going to make you wealthy. God's going to... You know, I I remember hearing a guy on the radio years ago. He's not there anymore. But he said, send me the green stuff and I'll send you the blue stuff. The blue stuff was a blue powder you sprinkle around your house and and the devil flees from it and and everything. He says, it in your husband's shoes. He'll always come home at night. You know, all that stuff. I mean, he had all kind of stories. The green stuff was money. Send him money and he'll send you the blue stuff and there's all kind of power. All kinds of stuff like that. Can I, can I just say this? Uh, many times we say, you know, God would like you to do this or this or that. This God has his own way of doing everything. And his way is always better. And his way is not always the way we would do it or the way we think it should be done. But let God do what he will do the way God will do it and the way he is, it's always the best. But these Jews <clears throat> in Jesus' day, these leaders... This is how they miss God, because they wanted God to be the way they wanted him to be. And if you can't be our Messiah the way we want you to be, then you're not our Messiah. And they crucified him. And, and it's, of course, it's all in the Bible like that. Uh, let, me, let me show you a scripture here. This is the one uh, in, Ma, in, in, Ma, in uh, Matthew, I'm going to show you here, where he talks about uh, the, 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 the penny, the Look at uh, Matthew twenty-two and seventeen. Matthew twenty-two, seventeen. I know I keep these people on the map jumping around. God bless them. Amen. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar, or not? These were those Pharisees who said, "We're paying taxes to the to Caesar, to the Roman government." Now, what are you going to say about that? And so they said to him, "Is it lawful to pay?" Tribute to Caesar or not. But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. Verse 19, I'm in. And they brought unto him a penny. Verse 20. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? Whose picture's on this coin? Verse 21. They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar... the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. And that's still a good thing to do today. Give unto God the things that are God. Give unto Caesar's. Pay your taxes. Pay your tithes. (laughs) All right, I won't go any further. Verse 22. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. They marveled because he had such an answer for them. And he says that, Uh, it's it's caesar's in other words you're willing to use the roman money to run your business but you don't want to pay the romans any taxes you know in other words you're you're being two-faced with it all and he showed them where they were wrong in it and i know my time is running out here let me show you one other scripture over here this is over in the book of acts and this is showing you again how that the jewish leaders resented jesus coming to save them from their sins we don't have any sins. We are Jews. We are, we, we, are, we are okay. They resented that. Save us from the Roman Empire. No, no, no. That's not what he came to. He came to save them from their sins. Look over here. And this is where that the uh, Peter, James, and John, they were in prison. They were, they, the, the man in the temple, was, the lame man, was healed. And great miracle happened. And everybody was shouting, and praise the Lord. And they went and arrested him and brought him in and uh, then put him in prison and then the angel came and took him out of prison right on through the bar the bars the gate they just took them through there somehow or another and everything was locked up when they finally got through again so later on they said Sanhedrin court said go get those two uh, followers of Jesus bring them in here we want to try them and they said hey they're not in there where, where are they I don't know Everything's locked up the guards are all there and nobody's in the prison so they said, hey, somebody said, hey, they're out in the temple there worshiping and praising the Lord and all this. So anyhow, they finally brought him in verse uh, verse 29 here. I'm looking here at Acts uh, 5, 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Verse 31. Look at this very closely. I'm going to wind this up. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. This is why Jesus came. Everybody with me? And that's why he came to us today. This is what he's doing today. And he's still saving sinners from their sins. And folks, if we will try to reach Gentiles, help people find God, come to the Lord, he will forgive them their sins that's the greatest thing that can be done and god will be doing it for them and he said to him that he has come to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins down at verse 33 when they heard that they were cut to the heart and they took counsel to slay them in other words they were mad as a hornet because of that because we have no sins and there's some people today that still think that way. Hey, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. You know, I know. You know, a bit of that. But Jesus wants to save us. Praise the Lord. And I'll tell you how we're saved. We're saved by letting his spirit be in us and us being baptized in his name. That way we're in him. He said, as I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. So shall I be in you and you in me. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise Aren't you glad for the truth of God? Let's all stand together and give God the praise and glory. Let's thank him right now. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's lift our hands and worship the Lord. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God. We magnify your wonderful name. Thank you for the privilege, Lord, to be in your house. to worship you. Glorify the name of Jesus for all things in thy precious name. Amen.